0: You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke
1: it, and it goes down smooth. Ay! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. Yeah! The Rough Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Now, here's your host, Radical.
2: Tokers and Tokets and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, November 4th, 2015, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. I'm coming to you live from Columbus, Ohio, where spirits are a little sadder here among the hardworking marijuana law reform advocates who just suffered a heartbreaking defeat at the polls last night. Uh, if you tuned in to our live coverage on CannabisRadio.com, you heard me break the news that uh, Issue 3 in Ohio lost at about a 2-1 to margin, lost by about 30 points. But uh, today on the show, we look forward and we move forward with some perspective and some lessons learned. You know, I've always said that As long as we're talking about it, we're winning. And in that respect, we won last night in Ohio because for the first time, this state had a statewide discussion on marijuana legalization. The issue was brought up. Now the question is how are we going to legalize it? And everybody's got their ideas, and I look forward to whoever can bring it to the ballot. I look forward to vigorously supporting, promoting, and defending any legalization in any state because folks, I'm consistent that way. If you're voting against the cops ability to take me in, in handcuffs because I smell like weed, you've got my support. So let's all work on this. Let's see what we can do. Take this lost, learn the lessons from it, move forward and come up with a plan for 2016 and beyond, because it can be done, I know it can be done, and we're going to make it happen. So on the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about this. In drug war data mining, I'm going to give you some perspective, historically speaking, by taking a look at the other states that have legalized marijuana and what hurdles and roadblocks they had to overcome uh, so that we don't uh, take this as the worst possible outcome, uh, that there's a lot we can learn and maybe things aren't as bad as we really Think they are when you're right there in the heat of that emotional loss. Also, uh, we've got some reefer madness to debunk today. The uh, head of the DEA, Chuck Rosenberg, uh, apparently disagrees with about 90 percent of Americans and says there's no such thing as medical marijuana. Uh, Actually, he called it a joke today. That's the quote. A joke. So we'll take a look at Chuck Rosenberg's comments and uh, do a little reefer madness debunking. Our guest on the show today at half past, we've got an author on the show. Her name's Caitlin Sinatra. Great name, right? Caitlin Sinatra joining us, and she is the author of Let's Talk About Marijuana, uh, aimed at uh, younger children uh, who can understand this. Plant And what the controversies are about it. This is a very important sort of dialogue to be having, given the cases we've dealt with, like, say, the Shona Banda case in Kansas, where these parents teach their kids the truth about marijuana. But then, when those kids utter that truth in front of certain authorities, it can uh, cost them their parents so we 'll talk to Caitlin about that we 'll also have time for the radical rant, and again, uh, uh, i 'll have plenty to say about what happened in our marijuana election night last night here in the state of Ohio. but we 'll start things off with the, the cannabis radio news. Now it's time for your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, November 4th, 2015. I'm Russ Belville. The Ohio Marijuana Legalization Amendment, Issue 3, suffered a terrible defeat in last night's election. Issue 3 racked up 35.9% support, an almost 2-to-1 setback for the amendment that would have allowed adults ages 21 and up to purchase up to an ounce of marijuana and created 10 grow farms around the state. Ohio's vote was already expected to be unique because no state had previously tried to approve recreational marijuana without already having an approved medical marijuana framework in place. Trying to approve both at the same time was viewed as risky, considering that regulators within the state had no experience with the industry. In worse news, the Anti-Monopoly Issue 2, filed by the legislature to stymie legalization through Issue 3, passed with 51.58% support, adding another electoral hurdle for the prospects of the next tax and regulate marijuana legalization initiative ballot. Although the defeat of Ohio's issue three is making the most headlines, there were some significant political victories for marijuana on Election Day. Voters in Portage, Michigan, passed a decriminalization law in Kego Harbor, Michigan, simple possession and non remunerative transfer of one ounce of marijuana was effectively legalized. There are now 15 cities in Michigan that have decriminalized or made marijuana the lowest law enforcement priority. In Philadelphia, Jim Kenney, a Democrat who championed marijuana decriminalization last year, swept the election to become the city's next mayor. Matt Bevin, a Republican in Kentucky, won the race for governor. Bevin made headlines when he supported medical marijuana and his Democratic opponent did not. Longtime prohibitionist assemblywoman Mary Pat Angelini of Monmouth County, New Jersey was unseated by a local Democrat in a surprise outcome. And Colorado voters decided to allow the state to keep $66 million in marijuana tax revenues for school construction and substance abuse programs. Senator Bernie Sanders, the independent of Vermont, has introduced a bill that would end federal prohibition of marijuana, marking the latest move the Democratic presidential candidate has made toward ending the war on drugs. The Ending Federal Marijuana Prohibition Act, introduced Wednesday, is modeled after a bill first proposed by Representative Jared Paulus of Colorado in 2013, which was reintroduced this year as the Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol Act. The Senate bill would remove marijuana from the Drug Enforcement Administration's list of most dangerous drugs and strike marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act, allowing states to decide whether they want to legalize pot for recreational or medical use without federal intervention. The bill comes a week after Sanders first proposed reclassifying marijuana as a less dangerous substance, arguing that doing so is an essential component in reforming America's criminal justice system. Mexico's Supreme Court on Wednesday ruled in favor of the right of four plaintiffs to produce and consume marijuana for personal use in a decision that advocates hope will lead to the rapid legalization of recreational and medicinal marijuana nationwide. One of the court's two chambers ruled four to one in favor of an appeal brought by an advocacy group to lift the prohibition against personal production and use of marijuana. The plaintiffs had argued that the Mexican Constitution guarantees citizens the right to do with their body what they wish, including ingesting drugs. Wednesday's ruling is limited to permitting the plaintiffs themselves to produce and consume marijuana, but advocates say further challenges are likely. The Supreme Court decision should also influence the lower courts, the Mexican Congress, and federal officials to move forward toward full legalization of both recreational and medical marijuana use, advocates say. Several justices, in explaining their finding in favor of the plaintiffs, called on Mexico's Congress to debate the legalization of marijuana. In an exclusive scientific poll commissioned by Atlanta's 11 Alive News and conducted by Survey USA, 1,787 registered voters were asked Should the use of marijuana for recreational use by adults in Georgia remain against the law? 46% of respondents said yes, while 45% said to make it legal. Another 10% said they were not sure. Georgia recently approved the use of cannabis oil to treat some medical conditions. Some feel that it is high time to address the use of marijuana for the masses. Those for and against marijuana initiatives are gearing up to get their proposals on the California ballot, and voters could end up with many options in 2016. The group California Cannabis Hemp Initiative 2016 started to gather signatures this week to put their measure on the ballot to change marijuana laws in California. Their initiative is one of about a dozen different proposals trying to get on the ballot in 2016. A coalition of groups that includes Napster founder Sean Parker is proposing an initiative that would legalize recreational use of marijuana and tax it at a rate of 15% on any retail sales. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, November 4th, 2015. I'm Russ Bellville.
1: You're tuned into the Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation.
2: Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. This is Radical Russ Belville, and I'm here to tell you that I'm moving to CannabisRadio.com. It's been an amazing three years on 420 Radio, and I want to thank you for all your support. My show on 420 Radio will continue for now, but eventually you'll only be able to hear me live and get my podcasts through CannabisRadio.com. Make sure you follow at Cannaradio and at Radical Russ on Twitter, Twitter. For all the latest updates, I'll talk to you soon on CannabisRadio.com. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
0: Yo, it's Karski. I'm out here in uh, Columbus, Ohio, letting y'all know that uh, coming up November 3rd, we got a chance to legalize pot in Ohio huge step for the country for the state so i need everybody to get off your ass and go home yes on issue three november 3rd don't be lazy let's make our country better let's make our people better we start healing each other make the world a better place issue three.
2: imagine life without taxes let new era certified public accountants newera cpas.com Handle your business 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com. With years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Get .Buzz. .Buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .Buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .Buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz.
0: Let's talk about the plan to legalize marijuana. The politicians are playing games by calling it a monopoly. They'll do anything to trick voters. It's not a monopoly. It's a plan that initially limits the number of growers for strict regulation before adding more. It provides medical marijuana for those in need. It creates jobs and generates tax revenue. If you think it's time to legalize marijuana, this is our chance. Vote no on two and yes on three. more
1: flavor. We must wage what I have call total war against public enemy number one.
0: I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. But marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to
1: call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for the Manjara or make room. I experimented with my at the time of two and I didn't like it and didn't enjoy it. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate
2: topic, uh, for debate. Radical rant. I just couldn't believe the statement that I saw from DEA chief Chuck Rosenberg, head of the Drug Enforcement Administration. Remember, our last chief was uh the uh the wonderful Michelle Lenhart, you know, the one who her worst day ever was that they flew a hemp flag over over the Capitol. Oh, my God. Thirty three years. The worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, my stars and garters. They flew a hemp flag over the Capitol. And, uh, you remember her. She was the one that couldn't tell you whether marijuana was more harmful than heroin, right? Who finally lost her job when they discovered the DEA sex parties going on in Colombia using sex workers paid for by the cartels they're supposed to be policing. Anyway, she's out. <laughs> and so this guy, Chuck Rosenberg,'s in. And if you thought that the reefer madness level might amp down a little bit after Michelle Lenhart, because, like, really, how could it get worse? Uh, no. <laughs> no. We, this is the latest statement here. He says, quote, this is Chuck Rosenberg, quote, what really bothers me is the notion that marijuana is also medicinal because it's not. We can have an intellectually honest debate about whether we should legalize something that is bad and dangerous, but don't call it medicine. That is a joke. There are pieces of marijuana extracts or constituents or component parts that have great promise medicinally. But if you talk about smoking the leaf of marijuana, which is what people are talking about when they talk about medicinal marijuana, it has never been shown to be safe or effective as a medicine, end quote. (laughs) Wow. Okay, first of all, uh, Chong, let's back up here a second. If anybody's out there rolling leaf up, please uh, visit Portland. (laughs) Let me take you out if you're smoking leaf. Okay. Um. Buds, of course. Buds, Chuck. <laughs> We're way past smoke and leaf. Uh, but this is an interesting thing. He says it's, it's a joke. Medical marijuana is a joke. We should have an intellectually honest debate about whether we should legalize something. But the medicinal part's a joke. And that's because they hate the medicinal marijuana part of the argument. Cause they're losing that. They, you know, it's 80, 90% support no matter who you ask. That argument's lost. So their hope is to divorce the medical part from the recreational part. So they can just fight the the recreational part and paint that as bad and evil. And then this other part about pieces of marijuana, extracts or constituents that have great promise. So somehow the vitamin C in the orange, that's not any good for me until we take the vitamin C out of the orange and put it into a, a vitamin pill. Is that the logic? How can the part, the thing from which you're getting the medicine, not itself be medicinal. Now, I'm not saying maybe optimally medicinal. I mean, in the case of, say, opium, maybe it's better when you've processed it from the raw opium to the pure morphine or whatever. But still, that doesn't mean that the raw opium wouldn't, like, if you got your arm hacked off, be really nice to have <laughs> in the battlefield there to kill the pain. So so they want to make this about these constituent parts because that's part of that pharmaceuticalization of marijuana that I'm telling you about, that I'm always warning you about. And that's something that I think is is a major goal here. It's a, it's, a, it's a delay tactic. How long can we delay until we can get all of these cannabinoid pharmaceuticals perfected and be able to undercut that medical support by saying, oh, you wanted medical marijuana? Oh, well, here. Here, we have this pill. We have this spray. We have this inhaler. We have this suppository. We have this cream, we have this lozenge, whatever. But no, 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 you're not getting plant. And, you know, I'm right on this. We've already seen it with Minnesota and uh, New York and some of these later medical marijuana states. But then you get the part where Rosenberg doesn't even agree with himself. So later on in the discussion here, talking to these reporters, he's talking about how there's the 2015 National Drug Threat Assessment, and drug use is up. Except for cocaine. I was like, well, oh, so there's more people smoking pot and less people doing blow? Gee, that sounds awful. <laughs> right? But, okay. But he goes on to talk about how many, there's There's so many overdoses. But again, marijuana doesn't cause those overdoses. But he makes this point to the reporters where he says, quote, Marijuana concentrates with potency levels far exceeding those of leaf marijuana. Again, with the leaf, right? Leaf marijuana with potency levels far exceeding those of leaf marijuana, pose an issue of growing concern, end quote. Oh, that's in the report. That's not his quote. I'm sorry. That's from the the report that was issued, right? Still, (laughs) how do you have the guy saying there's constituents and parts of marijuana that are medicinal and then the report saying that concentrates are a concern, well, that's the parts, right? <laughs> that's the constituents you were just talking about. We removed the, the, the leaf. <laughs> we removed the leaf and gave you the constituent THC and CBD in a concentrate. And, and that's a growing concern. Okay. Can't win with these guys, can you? But it is nice in this article. And this is up on CBS News, by the way, where I'm getting this information out of. It's just really nice that uh, they mentioned that now... of the country, 80% of the states have either a medical marijuana law or a CBD Uh, on our show tomorrow. uh, We'll have more guests for you, and I don't have them off the top of my head because we're running off the remote studio. don't have everything open like I normally would, but hey, good news that the sound is working like we'd expect it. And uh, anyway, I wanted to talk about last night in Ohio because... I had to be here, uh, you know, on at, at Ground Zero reporting at this party atmosphere where the very first uh, precinct reporting, like, you know, less than 1% reporting came in showing it down two to one. And, you know, people get hope like, oh, that's the early returns and, you know, it'll get better as the cities come in or whatever. But I know enough statistics to know that you don't need a whole lot, you know, a representative sample uh, to be able to Show you the direction the entire state's going to go, so I kind of knew early on that, oh boy, this is going to be a long and heartbreaking night for these folks and i've been there before i I covered the loss in uh Oaksterdam for prop nineteen and I covered the loss in Oregon for measure eighty and it, it does it's a it's a punch in the gut, man, and it really hurts when it happens so there's a lot of you out there who uh maybe new fans or maybe long time fans that have been listening to me and co- you know since I've been covering this issue 3 and and championing it because it's legalization <laughs> you had me at it's legalization that's all i need to know i didn't care who was making money uh when i was buying from my dealer i don't care who's making money after it gets legal i just don't want cops to mess with my life it's pretty simple for me but there's a lot of you listening out there whose hearts are broken and you see this lost and you go oh my god you know, almost two to one, 35%, no county went above 43% at all. Like even your best urban counties, right? So it feels like a complete ass whooping, right? And, you know, lucky me, I start this week with my undefeated Packers getting an ass whooping and then I have to get this too, right? But the perspective to have on this is to not look at this as a failure, Because as I've often said, anytime you're talking about it, you're winning and you just had a statewide conversation and got over a million people to agree with you in the state. That marijuana should be legal, even with the controversial business model, terrible public relations, right? You know, the buddy thing, Uh, the confusing language, you know, the, the, the demonization of the language, you know, using a misnomer monopoly. Conflicting amendments, no medical marijuana to back you up, and in an off-off election year when young people never turn out. And you got 35.84%. 36-something, wasn't it, the latest one? Let me check that number again. I want to make sure I'm giving the accurate number. Uh, 35.9, they're saying, in the final tally, 35.9. So look at it this way. First of all, Ohio just became one of seven states now that have ever voted on marijuana legalization okay that's a that's an exclusive club, only California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, Alaska, and Colorado and consider that five out of six of those states are in the Pacific time zone. Colorado's in the mountain. Ohio just became the first state in the Eastern time zone to have ever voted on marijuana legalization. So that's that right there is an accomplishment. You just joined a very select club. Then consider that when it comes to legalization, those six states, only four of them have legalization. California, and Nevada, they're working on it, right? Only Washington passed their legalization on their first try. That was I-502 in 2012. They got 55.7%. And some people will argue that, you know, I I 502 got like the worst Ross deal of all of the legalizations. But that's another rant. Alaska got 44 and a quarter percent in 2004. Colorado got 41.08 percent in 2006. So they lost with 41 and 44. And they both had medical marijuana at the time, just like Washington when it passed its legalization. So they had that benefit. Nevada, Oregon and California have all failed twice. There's been two failures in those three states. Nevada got 39.13% in 2002 and 44.08% in 2006. Oregon got just 26.33% in 1986, you know, before medical marijuana existed and then got 46.58% in 2012. Now, that was when Washington and Colorado were crushing it with 55%. And let me tell you, it was heartbreaking to see your nearby state, Washington, pass it with 55 and then have your state only get 46 and a half. And then California in 1972, before there was even decrim in America, California got 33 and a half percent with a Prop 19 in 1972. And then they got 46.5% with a Prop 19 in 2010. So. Take that number and compare it, right? You got 35.9%. You're only three to nine points away from where Colorado, Alaska, and Nevada were just a decade ago. And and that's with all of the handicaps this initiative had going for it. You got within three to six to nine points of the first states that voted and failed to pass their legalization. And you got more than California got when it tried in 1972, and you got more than where Oregon got when it tried in 1986. So, really, in a sense, Ohio just made its way to, you know, 1993-ish, 94-ish.
1: You're tuned into the Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God. It's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of, of many of those things. And, and find ourselves in, in a, a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs, we've got Frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear herbage designs we've got shot glasses drinking glasses coffee mugs and beer cozies. check us out on facebook and online at herbagedesigns.com and follow herbage and herb thrasher on twitter
0: gondrepreneur.com your guide to the cannabis business world gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
2: I'm reaching out now to our guest for our Reformers reader, which will be Caitlin Sinatra. She's the author uh, hello, 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 Caitlin. This is Russ Belville online live. How are, Hi, good.
3: Good. How are, How are you?
2: you? Hi, uh, fantastic. Sorry for the the difficulties here. I'm I'm in Columbus, Ohio, working on a remote studio that's brand new to me. So uh, it was tough trying to get you on the line, but uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the show.
3: Sure, sure thank, thank you. you. Yeah, yeah, glad to, glad be, to here. be here.
2: All right, so I got to meet you uh, at uh, one of our recent events where you were uh, promoting the book uh, that you have written called Let's Talk About Marijuana. So let's talk about Let's Talk About Marijuana. Tell us about your book.
0: <laughs> All right, well, well, well
3: this, this book, book is designed, designed to, help to help adult Initiate conversations, conversations about, about marijuana, marijuana in a, in a very, very unintended unintended and unbiased, and unbiased manner. manner. So, so here, here, readers are presented with real-life real scenarios, scenarios problem questions, questions just, just to help, help get, the get the conversation, conversation started. started. So just at so every hearing, one who approach conversations about sex and alcohol. And alcohol Differently, I imagine, I imagine that's, that's the same, same with, marijuana. with marijuana. Every, Every parent, parent is going, going to have their own point of, point of view. So my goal was to just present these scenarios, scenarios and, and let families have a conversation, conversation um, uh, that, that really,
2: really meets, meets their needs. needs. Wow. All right. So it's almost, uh, in a sense, a guide then to how to have the conversations uh, about marijuana. Is that a fair way of uh, mentioning that?
3: Exactly, Exactly. it It is is not not a book book on how how to have a conversation conversation where the the reader has to follow the text word for word, but rather an invitation that really just allows the readers to, as I said, take the conversation and run with it, because no two conversations are going to look the same. So it is indeed very much a guidebook guidebook for adults adults who want want to initiate initiate that conversation with you about about marijuana. marijuana.
2: We're speaking with Caitlin Sinatra. She's the author of Let's Talk About Marijuana. Uh, Caitlin, how can people uh, get a copy of this book? Is there uh, online references and such that will help them?
3: There sure, sure is. There is. So, so let's, let's Talk, talk about, about Marijuana is available, available on Amazon and, and is even available, available on, Kindle on Kindle as well. As well. So, there's so there's two, two options, options there. there. And, and if, if folks, folks are here, here in the Oregon, Oregon neighborhood, neighborhood in here in Corvallis in at High Quality Compassion, books are available there, as well as um, a, a few, few more shops, shops here around, around the town.
2: All right, that's fantastic. Now, uh, what uh, prompted you to uh, put this book together? Had you found uh, certain discussions that were working for you or you heard other people having discussions that you didn't think were working well? What's the motivation?
3: Sure, so it's a bit of a two-part. With my own personal background and upbringing, my parents just did not talk about marijuana with us. They were very good about talking about avoiding cigarettes and alcohol, but it was as if marijuana just didn't exist. So growing up, I just thought that was so bizarre, and there must be other families that were in the same boat. So I figured this resource could, you know, benefit other families out there, Um, especially as I was working at a medical marijuana dispensary in Corvallis, high-quality compassion. I interacted with patients who would come in with children and just not – know how to have that conversation. The kiddos knew, okay, we were going to the doctor's office, um, and they would just wait patiently, but the parents did ask me um, my advice on, on starting that conversation, and it just always comes back down to honesty. Just be honest with your child about marijuana, and I don't think there's too soon of a time to start the conversation. The sooner, the better. It's already out there. In the media within our movies everything so having an honest conversation with you sooner rather than later is certainly my goal with this book
2: well i imagine caitlin that you might get some uh, pushback from certain groups maybe parents groups that say hold on you're you're promoting marijuana you're saying uh, you're trying to make it less uh, dangerous and more glamorous for children what how do you respond to them
0: Mm -hmm. And
3: I've been very fortunate to not have any pushback, and I think that is because of the unique way this book is designed. By no means am I advocating for child marijuana use, or am I putting my own bias into the story? But rather than... I'm saying this is real. Children will encounter marijuana one way or another. So do you want to prepare children and have that open and honest conversation? Or like anything, do you want children to find out on their own in perhaps an unsafe and risky situation? I think we all agree that the honesty between adult and child is, is the way to go.
2: Well, I agree with you, Caitlin. Uh, I, I've always thought that uh, one of the uh, one of the unintended consequences of the way that we've demonized marijuana and misrepresented it to younger people is that when they find out the truth about marijuana, it then leads them to disbelieve what we've told them, and, and most times factually, about some of the other substances out there. Does your book address that in any way?
3: It does to some extent. Um, we do talk about other substances. Um, for example, one scenario um, is presented which prompts the conversation, okay, let's talk about what to do should the driver of um, a vehicle be under the influence of alcohol or marijuana? So let's talk about these things. In the back of the book, there's a vocabulary section. What does it mean to be under the influence? And a this definition is provided. So I think, Talking about marijuana under the same light as alcohol or tobacco is still still very important because we can all agree that these are things that children and teens should not be using.
2: Well, and nobody's yet been trying to legalize marijuana for children and teens, so uh, I think that bodes well for us. Mm-hmm. The book is called "Let's Talk <laughs> About Marijuana." We're speaking to the author, uh, Caitlin Sinatra, and uh, Caitlin, as you're promoting this book, uh, how do you, uh, you know, you mentioned that there was a lot of different discussions, a lot of different types of discussions. What are some of the uh, the the archetypes of people, say the the soccer mom or the Christian? conservative or do you have do you does it work that way?
3: Oh gosh I mean I've had all different I've had all different kinds of individuals talk to me about the books um I would say mostly a, a little bit more towards women have purchased the book um you know oftentimes they are like moms or have a friend who is a mom with a child around the age range of 7 to 12, so that works well. But I find that marijuana use and conversations about marijuana are so fluid and can really can really be talked about with, you know, someone on the street that you wouldn't even expect. And it's it's very much so becoming a piece of our culture, and I wouldn't say that there is one type of people who buys the book because all, all groups of people can benefit from a resource to help just initiate that conversation about marijuana.
2: Well, excellent, Caitlin. Now, what's your background? I mean, was this something that uh, was addressed in your family and, and how do they react now that you may be becoming known for having written this book?
0: <laughs> sure
3: um so as i as i mentioned um marijuana was not discussed much in my family my father did use cannabis under the Oregon medical marijuana program um in the early 2000s as he was battling kidney cancer but even then as a young child at age 10 i didn't know I didn't know even what was going on. It never was cannabis consumed within the health. It was always done, um, you know, away when I was with my mom or busy with a babysitter or just completely taken care of. So growing up to find um, that our conversations just stopped and to find that dad used it during his uh, battle during cancer was certainly a shock, but... My own personal interest, just with cannabis as a plant, the medicinal benefits from it. I mentioned I worked in a dispensary as well. So between all of these experiences and my love for books and academia, I created this book during my senior year at the University of Oregon um, during my time in the Family and Human Services Program. I had a handful of professors that were extremely supportive with the idea of the book and um, allowed me to bounce ideas off of them. And within nine months, right before my graduation date in June, it was self-published on Amazon.
2: Wow, that sounds great uh, what you're doing there to get this information out to people and help people have these discussions. The book is Let's Talk About Marijuana and uh, give folks the contact information again, the websites or any way that they can get a, uh, get a hold of the book.
3: Sure. So Let's Talk About Marijuana, written by Caitlin Sinatra, is available on Amazon and in uh, Kindle format. And my website is Talk publications.com and there you can find more information about the book, my contact information and a link to Amazon with the book.
0: All right.
2: Well, Caitlin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, putting the book out and good luck on the sales and distribution. Uh, We look forward to this information, getting out there and making a difference as people fight for marijuana legalization all across this nation. Thanks for being here.
3: Wonderful. Thank you, Russ. Take care.
2: All right. Thank you, Caitlin. And uh, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have time for a little radical ranting about what happened here in Ohio. But uh, first, of course, we've got to get to our anti-drug public service announcement of the day. You're listening to the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks for joining me here. We'll be back right after this.
1: You're tuned into the Russ Bellville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation.
2: the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Russ Bellville Show presents the anti-drug public service announcement of the day.
1: In the next few months, the motion picture industry and theater owners will be bringing you a series of messages like the one you just saw. I don't think anybody will miss the point. The thrill can kill. The drug dealers need to know that we want them out of our schools Neighborhoods and our lives and the only way to do that is to take the customers away from the product Say no to drugs and say yes to life Of course your local drug pusher may tell you a little something different about these drugs and who you believe is up to you But then again if you go ahead and try them at least it won't be out of ignorance Just stupidity What would I do if someone offered me these drugs? I'd tell them to take a hike
2: This has been the anti-drug public service announcement of the day. To cure this sort of reefer madness, listen to The Russ Belville Show every weekday on 420radio.org.
1: We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number
0: one. I for a change in law. In federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana.
1: That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate.
0: Radical
2: rant. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And of course, the radical rant today has to be about where I'm sitting right now, Columbus, Ohio, where issue three, the marijuana legalization amendment went down in a crushing defeat, getting thirty five point nine percent of the vote and thirty five point nine. Yeah, didn't even win in any single county, uh, didn't even clear forty three percent in any single county. And the accompanying issue two, the the so-called anti-monopoly amendment, uh won with about 51.5%. So what that means is any future tax and regulate of marijuana, anything that involves economics around marijuana or taxation around marijuana, is going to be subject to a five-member ballot board deciding whether or not it needs to do two initiatives with two uh majority votes in order to pass. So... It just got harder <laughs> to legalize marijuana here uh, in the state of Ohio. And there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking going on and nitpicking of what campaign did wrong, whether or not there even should have been a campaign. And that's easy to easy enough to do. We you know, we could do that. And and it should be done there. You know, people need to learn some lessons. I mean, uh, Robert Platshaw my friend uh, Bobby Tuna with a silver tour uh, made a point in Facebook about you can't bank on marijuana legalization on the youth vote you just can't the youth do not vote if folks if if young people voted marijuana would have been legal decades ago uh, young people don't vote so you base your campaign on the youth vote and then at the same time pick the year the least amount of young people would come out to vote an off off election year like not even governor or congress or anything like that right So, you know, all of the conventional wisdom says that you do these things in presidential election years, especially if you're talking about a state like Ohio, that's going to be really conservative and so forth. So all sorts of mistakes that you could point to and all this money, money, quarterbacking. But there's an aspect of it that bothers me, and that is that, yeah, it may have gone out bad. But when you help to demean it, (laughs) it's kind of mean and a self-fulfilling prophecy to say how bad it did, right? like the other side the the secretary of state the legislature the people that wanted this to fail wanted this so badly to be about whether or not it was a monopoly it was a monopoly right when monopoly was not even close to being an accurate term right when people hear the word monopoly they think the first thing they think is the the board game <laughs> and and the picture of the guy on the monopoly cards right the rich guy the caricatured rich guy and so they see, they hear Monopoly, and that's just, you know, that's a that's a dog turd, right? That might as well be a dog turd sitting there to them. It's awful. It's anti-American. Monopoly is a frame, is a very, very powerful frame. With, that's everything that's wrong with America, e, e, from either side uh, of the political aisle. That's why you had the Greens and Libertarians, you know, against this thing. Because it has an offensive frame to both sides. Monopoly is everything that's wrong with America. It, from the left side, it's you know all of the corporate control and collusion and the man. On the right side, it's you know uh, unfair restraint of trade and business stuff. So monopoly is a powerful frame, and that's where the Secretary of State and the legislature wanted this battle to be fought rhetorically was within that frame of monopoly. And our side, many people on our side. Gave them, seeded that ground, gave it, you rolled right over and showed the soft white underbelly. Yes, you're right. It's a monopoly. We hate it. It's a monopolies are terrible things. Monopolies are bad, but we should vote for it or, or, oh, we're neutral on it. So, yeah. So when the ballot comes out and the title in the ballot is institutes a monopoly and you were helping to demean that term and helping to shape that frame to shape. That being the discussion, then it's just kind of a little kicking a guy when he's down when you help to make it a landslide. <laughs> right? So that's a problem for me. Another problem is that we're talking about real people's lives here. Everybody wanted to characterize this as a rich people are trying to get rich. But yeah, there was also poor people putting their time and their reputations and lives and on the line, Well, lives, but you know, working hard gathering signatures, posting signs that were getting ripped up, have being called the most vicious and vile names, uh, uh, on social media, losing friendships. I mean, put a lot out there and and trying to help moms with sick kids and vets with PTSD and cancer patients. And even just to end that injustice of the tickets and arrests, 18,000 of which are going to take place next year. And, and, So there's this kind of victory lap being taken by some. Yay, we rejected a monopoly. Yay, we stood up and showed that corporate forces can't take over the marijuana movement. Yay, we struck a blow against the oligarchy. Yay. And all I can think is, yay, sick kids won't get medicine. And yay, 18,000 people will be ticketed and arrested. And yay, cops can still mess with me because I smell like weed. There's nothing to celebrate here. There's no celebration to be had. Anytime we lose a marijuana legalization battle, somebody loses badly. Some Somebody's life is changed radically. So there's no celebration uh, for me there. And another perspective I have on this is the, the framing itself on a nationwide basis over how we discuss the marijuana issue. And for a long time, it was about justice and civil rights. It's my body. I have the right to do with it what I want. And then that discussion became more about medical and, well, I have to have marijuana. I have an excuse. I have a legitimate need for marijuana. I'm sick by God. I'm not some criminal. I'm a patient. And then it kind of morphed some more, right? Where legalization started happening, it became about tax revenues and how much money the state would make and tax revenues, right? Tax and regulate. And now, with this latest battle that went down, I fear that the reform movement seeds some moral high ground. See, for me, it's always been about ending arrests and helping patients. <laughs> and ending arrests and helping patients. What do we what can we do for that? Oh, legalize marijuana. Okay, you got me. Right? End arrests, help patients. So, now we're in a situation where marijuana legalization was defeated that would have ended arrests and helped patients. And it was rejected by a significant portion of the reform community over the fact that it had this grow model that people felt was oligopolistic. So there's a high ground that's been seeded in the framing. See, Kevin Sabet and the opponents of marijuana legalization, their biggest dream is to get the discussion of legalization away from it being medicine and away from it being safer than alcohol, a taxable and regulatable product, right? Because especially the medical, because he loses badly in the medical side. There's just no winning the, the medical marijuana debate anymore. And then the, the tax regulate side gets to be more and more popular as well as people understand marijuana safer than alcohol. And there's an injustice. Uh, there's an injustice to treating people differently over cannabis than alcohol, right? So you got those two, the medical and the justice angles. He doesn't want to fight there. He doesn't want to have that frame, to battle in that frame. Where Kevin wants to bring it, is to the big marijuana frame, big business, big corporations. They'll lie to you. They'll create, you know, all, and, and it's a great thing because he can do it, you know, he can appeal to the left, you know, that hates the idea of Monsanto or Marlboro, right, for their marijuana. And he can appeal to the, to the right with the, uh, you know, this is a mitigate, this is a way to mitigate, you know, a, a big, uh, corrosive inter- industry, right? So he wants to play in that economic playground. He wants to play and have legalization be a discussion of big marijuana and money and greed. So in this election, a lot of reformers seeded that framing to him in objecting to something that would objectively help on the medical and the justice side because there was a bridge too far on the business side in this debate. Now some reformers find themselves firmly ensconced in a frame where yes, it is all about the money at some level. And that's where Kevin wants it to be. Kevin wants to convince people that legalization is not about ending arrests and helping patients legalizations about who gets rich. And some reformers have now placed themselves firmly in that frame of, yep, you're right. Here was a situation where the wrong people would get rich in the wrong way. So the arrests and the suffering have to continue. And, you know, I'm just glad I don't have to fight from that angle. I don't have to fight from that ground because to me, ending the arrests, ending the drug war is paramount. And I don't care about the money side i I don't see to me, we've had a paradigm where marijuana was absolutely prohibited. Go to jail, cops show up, uproot plants, take your stuff, throw you in prison illegal, and that couldn't stop marijuana from blossoming and and spreading to everyone who wanted it and becoming a huge huge market, albeit underground and dangerous but Nonetheless, a huge huge market and that was absolute prohibition. There's no regulatory scheme possible that can make that can be any more restrictive and able to control the true nature of marijuana than prohibition could have. Oh, there there's going to be a few companies that'll control it all. Really? Yeah, sure. <laughs> any more so than the 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 uh, El Chapo's cartel controls it now? I mean, no, it's a plant. And so long as we can grow it ourselves, it doesn't matter what the business side is like. So keep that in mind. That's my radical rant here from Ohio. And as we move forward, I'm hoping there's something in 2016 in Ohio. I hope in all those people that said, oh, no, something better is coming along. I hope they're right. Um, I would like nothing better than to be proven wrong. Please, please prove me wrong. Put better legalization on the ballot in 2016 and pass it. I will be here. I will promote it and support it 100% because I always do. I always support marijuana legalization. we're locking up
1: people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical. Russ,
2: Russ hey, Good day, Tokers and Tokets and non lovers of Liberty. And my apologies for the echo here because I'm going to kill that. I'm so sorry. Uh, the way I rigged things up here in our remote studio uh, is giving us a hella echo. So my apologies. I'm live in Columbus, Ohio, where this state just suffered uh, the electoral defeat of issue three garnering just 35.9% of the vote. We'll talk a little bit more about that here. Uh, I did want to give a shout-out to Stoner Jesus, who's uh, hanging out in our chat room on Spreaker. Stoner Jesus comes up live next on CannabisRadio.com, 8 o'clock. So check him out uh, and be blessed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... This, this marijuana thing, you know, especially when I'm talking about the, uh, the reform orgs and the framing and, and the position some people are in now, having taken a certain stand on issue three, uh, is really difficult because like I said, now, now we have to play in this frame of what's the right kind of legalization. Now we don't get to play in the we should legalize frame. It has to be, is it acceptable? Now, The RAND Corporation came up with this list, this this study for the state of Vermont a couple years ago. And it was to analyze, you know, to suggest to the legislature of Vermont, hey, uh, we're thinking about legalizing weed. How are some of the ways we might do that? What are some of the ways they've done it internationally or nationally in states or wherever? How could you legalize weed? Right. And so RAND Corporation came up with this kind of. Think of it as a spectrum or a timeline or a number line, right? And on one edge is prohibition, right? Criminal penalties, absolutely banned. And on the other end is deregulated, like no laws whatsoever. Anyone can grow it, it, buy it, sell it, whatever. There's no law on it, right? Like North Korea, believe it or not. (laughs) Yes, North Korea is absolutely no law on marijuana. People can, it grows by the side of the road. People can grow it and just... Pluck it and yeah. Anyway, so imagine that spectrum. There's this timeline like that. and It runs from prohibition or even worse prohibition, right? Like Singapore style, you know, death penalty and stuff. And and along this is kind of a spectrum of different levels of control that run from state control all the way to free market, right? So there's things like Uruguay style where the government grows it all. Government processes and sells it all. You got to register with the government tightly controlled. And it moves along this line into other mark, market styles, like, you know, Spain, where they've got, okay, there's no buying and selling, but you can be a member of a collective and you can collectively grow and, and share the, uh, expenses. And then it moves up to, you know, say Amsterdam, where, okay, it's technically illegal, but it can be cultivated and on a small level and sold in coffee shops on a small level and people will, and will tolerate it, right? And, and you can keep moving up this level. And one of the things they had in this, Rand report was structured oligopoly, where it talked about the state issuing a num- a limited issue number of licenses and maintaining tight control over these independent producers. And it's that part of the Rand report that gave Responsible Ohio their idea for what they did with the 10 growth sites. Well, right? it's part of this Rand report, right? So think of this spectrum, and, and on this spectrum, there's about eight different choices ranging from the government model all the way up to free market. What has essentially happened here, rhetorically speaking, is we just took about six choices off the menu. <laughs> we, just, we just kind of essentially painted ourselves into it's got to be the right kind of free market legalization. And now we're going to break down and start debating what exactly is the right amount when it comes to free market. What makes it free enough? Let me give you an example. Let's pretend that next year, Responsible Ohio comes back with the exact same initiative, structured exactly the same, only 10 farms, except the 10 farms aren't constitutionally mandated. Right, They're not already owned. There's just only going to be 10 licenses. And to apply for one of these 10 licenses, you got to spend $25,000. And that's non-refundable. So you got to lay down a $25,000 bet just to be considered for one of 10 licenses. Then you have a background check. And in that background check, you have to show financially that you've got $2 million in escrow. You have access to $2 million capital. And if you get past that and you luck out and you become one of the 10 that gets to be the farmer, you then have to spend $750,000 a year in order to have that license. Would that be acceptable legalization? Think about this. Is it is it because the 10 sites were already pre-owned that made it a, a terrible, evil, awful oligopolistic monopoly cartel was that the problem? That they were already pre-owned. If they were up for bids, everybody could compete. But of course, to compete, you had to have twenty-five thousand up front, two million in the bank, and be able to come up with seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for a license. But it's open competition. Would that be worth voting for? Would that be worth supporting? Could could we support that? Because if not. You just rejected Connecticut's medical marijuana law that Marijuana Policy Project authored to get through its legislature. Those are the exact standards for Connecticut's medical marijuana law. There's 10 producers. You got to put up 25 grand to apply, non-refundable, 2 million in the bank, three quarters of a million dollars a year for the license. Hmm. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember anybody calling that an oligopoly at the time? Do you remember anybody in the reform movement putting out statements that they were neutral on that medical marijuana legalization because it was too much of an oligopoly? Cause only the rich, only the rich people could possibly participate in it and it would only just make them richer. Do you, do you remember that? I don't, I don't recall that. I'm, I'm racking my brain. Can't remember. And I got other stories like that. Massachusetts. All right. How about if, uh, it was 35 licenses. 35 licenses for the state and you got to show half a million dollars in escrow. Is that worth voting for? Is that worth supporting or is that still too much of an oligopoly? Is that too much of a... Now, see, I know what I like. I mean, I like Oregon's legalization. Oregon's legalization, we don't have a limit on the number of licenses and it's only like four grand, five grand to apply for it. Wonderful. I love that. So can someone give me the limit? I need to know now because now that we are deciding whether or not legalization is good enough based on the business plan, now that the money matters, you know who's getting rich matters and how how they get rich matters. Now that that's important, I want to make sure I know where the boundaries are. Right? Is is ten thousand dollars too much to apply for fifty licenses statewide? That you have to show a quarter million dollars escrow for is that is that too oligopolistic? Or what if there were a hundred licenses? And they cost twenty grand each, but you only had to show a hundred thousand in the bank is it is that is that competition enough for us to support now? See that's where this debate is going, and that's where why I don't want to be in that particular rhetorical bin to have to fight now to have to try to cover why I would support these very very and we're talking right in those in those Connecticut, Massachusetts examples, they're not just the producers. That's like the dispense. They would have control. There'd be vertical integration. They'd have control of the dispensaries, too. Right. Not like the Ohio thing where all the dispensaries, the thousand or so of them would be independent. This is them also controlling the retail side. Funny, never heard much about oligopoly back then. Back then, it seemed to be about the patients and hey, it's the legislature, this is the best we can do, we have to make compromises, you have to be realistic, you have to move the ball forward, you have to get what she can get and don't throw a fit. But not when you're a recreational consumer in Ohio, apparently. Welcome back, it's Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. If you feel like calling in and discussing what happened in Ohio, if you got any comments or questions, we're here for you to commiserate. It's 971-533-7111. And uh, yeah, you heard us play the Bernie Sanders ad and um, happy to do so as he is the only presidential candidate at this time who is calling for the de-scheduling of marijuana. Actually uh, put forth the bill today to de-schedule marijuana, not reschedule, not schedule two, not schedule three, schedule nothing like alcohol and tobacco. Take it off the schedule. You know if alcohol and tobacco had to be scheduled, they'd be Schedule 1, right? Highly dangerous addictive drug, no safe margin of use, no medical use. Yeah, definitely Schedule 1 drugs. So it's always fun to me when, uh sometimes I'll do this when I'm giving speeches, you know, how many people here do drugs, right? Raise your hand if you do drugs, right? <laughs> and I'll start going, all right, you coffee drinkers? All right, you you over there... uh you know, uh, with the coffee and the cigarettes. Yeah, you, you too, you do drugs. <laughs> those, those are drugs. They're eating the Twinkie. There are definitely some drugs in that. So we we got to move forward. You know, I know uh, the people in Ohio here are, are heartbroken. Although some, some are not. Some are celebratory. And that's just freaky to me. I, I got these people. I got all sorts of attacks on Twitter and Facebook. You know, people kind of gloating. I was right. The people of Ohio agree with me. I'm like, do you, do you take solace knowing that you and a majority voted to maintain prohibition? Look, even if you thought this was the wrong way to legalize, and I got a lot of friends that think that way, right? Even if you think this is the wrong way to legalize, it's not something you should be celebrating. It's, it's a shame, it's a defeat. We're getting headlines now that say things like legalization has an epic fail in Ohio. Right. Nothing about, uh, you know, nobody's saying legalization monopoly had an epic fail. They're saying legalization. Right. Kevin Sabet probably. <laughs> oh, I have all sorts of metaphors I was going to use, but that's stoner Jesus's territory. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Sabet is happy as hell about what happened absolutely and and you know there's this movement now there's this i'm seeing the press releases come out all about nope this doesn't change a thing about the legalization movement because this was a complete uh anomaly uh off-off your election and a bad campaign and 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 the undercurrent of it is to you know blame responsible ohio for moving forward when they should not have you know the idea is you, you ruined it you never should have brought this forward you lost so bad say the people who disparaged it as much as possible and helped in no way to make it not lose so bad. Right. (laughs) So it's like, that's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. But to me, I'm a cannabis consumer. And if I'm sitting in a state that's five, 10 years away from legalizing marijuana and somebody comes along and says, I will try. And unlike all the other people that I'd put my faith in for years and years who said, I will try and never managed to put a damn thing on the ballot. This guy succeeds at getting something on the ballot, an actual try, an actual opportunity to end our criminality. And then to have so many of our fellow pot smokers fighting for that to fail and now celebrating that it failed it's really kind of disturbing, and it's it's something that I don't think is unique to marijuana politics. I've got friends in the LGBT movement that, you know, when I tell them my stories, they're like, oh, that sounds just like, and then they'll name their groups and their leaders and their, you know, internal squabbles. I got people in other political realms, they, they tell me the same sort of thing, right? So I don't think this is unique to marijuana, but maybe we're at a point where there's a... I don't know, awakening evolution a new dawning within this movement to understand that marijuana or money is a significant part of this debate. Maybe maybe that's just the natural you know coming out of our movement's adolescence moment where we can't talk about legalization without addressing the monetary side of it. And maybe this is a, a moment, you know, some uh, on our side are trumpeting this as a, a victory over the corporatization of weed or the money in politics buying, you know, its own favors and stuff. And And, hey, maybe that's true. Maybe the next initiatives we get are, you know, $5,000 entry fees and unlimited licenses and much, much more liberal. But I don't think so. <laughs> and And here's my reasoning, you know part of it is of course, the long time observation I've had of medical marijuana getting more and more and more restrictive, more and more and more restrictive to keep the potheads out right. Medical marijuana hasn't gotten more liberal, okay, so with recreational losing so badly in Ohio and some of the fertile ground for legalization is going to be plucked here in the next couple of years, right. What happens for all the rest of these internal, you know, interior states, Midwest states, Southern states, as legalization comes around? If I'm uh, one of these governors, like if I'm a Kasich or a, you know, whoever's running these states, and it seems to me that legalization's coming one way or another, that maybe there be- begins to be this argument of we better legalize it as little as we possibly can. To act as like a relief valve on the public's desire to legalize it a whole lot and evidence this of course is the uh the Schwarzenegger move the october su- surprise of twenty ten when prop nineteen was polling really well for legalization of an ounce, and so Governor Schwarzenegger, he decriminalized analysis decriminalized now you do not go to jail It's a lousy Schwarzenegger, I right know thank you uh but right he decrimmed in in. 2010 and that took a little wind out of the sails because part of the argument was you know, people could still get arrested people could still and when you took that away that undercut one of the arguments right before election time so I worry that that's, I mean I predict I, I think this is what we're going to see from the other side eventually is some of these legislatures especially in states that have initiative processes saying look and, and, and being lobbied by a Kevin Sabet to do this or, or maybe not Kevin but some smart political people would say, look, legalization's coming. These guys are going to put together another initiative. There's enough money out there to be made. They're going to find a way to put together another initiative, and this one's going to win. So if you want to stop them from pulling that off, what you ought to do is legalize in Ohio like they've legalized in Washington, D.C. Create a grow and give system. Make it so people can possess an ounce. They can grow three mature plants, three immature plants, possess, I don't know, quarter pound, whatever the limit be be at home. But there's no buying or selling. No buying or selling. No pot shops, no big commercial grows. People can grow their own, share it with friends. No buying or selling. Possess an ounce of it. Pull that off and you get all those... Epileptic kids off of the statehouse floor because now people can grow. You'd have to include, you know, concentrating oils and stuff. But right. You could put that in there, too, that it would be legal to have concentrated CBD oils, say. Right. Put a clause in there that someone with a doctor's permission can grow more and concentrate it. but, But whatever. Find ways to undercut the popular supports for legalizing overall get the patients out of the way by legalizing that home grow and some possession get the the whole threat of people being arrested and going to jail because now only people getting arrested go to jail are the dealers the sellers the ones we can still easily demonize that's what i see coming down the pike for a place like ohio i could see the legislature writing something like that up and referring it to the ballot a a, a decrim on steroids, a grow and give system with no commercial marijuana whatsoever. And you know what? I'd support it. <laughs> I'd be absolutely for it. Again, end the arrests and help patients. End the arrests and help patients. But um I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, you know? I, I I have these strong opinions and I put these things out there, these theories out there as a method of educating myself and trying to educate and discuss with others. And I could be wrong. And maybe we'll see something great come out in 2016 and it'll win in Ohio. And I'll be happy about that. (laughs) I'll be ecstatic that we win marijuana legalization because I'm always ecstatic when we win marijuana legalization. I'm in this to end arrests and help patients. I hope the rest of you are too. And I appreciate the support that I've been getting uh, from all quarters. As we've been uh, going through this, it's been uh, a wild ride and still have more people to meet out here. I'm speaking at a Women Grow event tomorrow here in Columbus. So there's plenty more movers and shakers that I'll be meeting while I'm out here. Um, If you're out here in the Columbus area, make your way to that Women Grow event. I can't tell you where it's at. I don't know. (laughs) If you look it up online, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. But uh, my thanks to all of the activists that I've met here who have been so supportive and so helpful. We had a good time last night despite the bad news. uh, It was a great uh, live stream. Uh, It's recorded and up on our uh, CannabisRadio.com page if you want to check that out. And uh, so much yet to be done here in the state of Ohio. The fight continues. I think the next fight, you know, if, if you'd asked me, if one thing to consider is that it's no more illegal today than it was yesterday. <laughs> so it didn't get any more illegal. That's a plus. And the uh, the forecast that I would have had for Ohio before this year, if you'd have just asked me, you know, when do you think Ohio will legalize? I'd have said, eh, by 2020, maybe they'll get medical. And if you asked me today, I'd say, yeah, by 2020, they might get medical. So I don't know that things are as bad as they can seem right now to a lot of you uh, Ohio folks. Boot to the head. Oh, you're pulling me in the head! Oh yeah, love the boot to the head. Hey, we got to take a break. Thanks for joining us. I'm Radical Russ on cannabisradio.com. Imagine, Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis business 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. The son
0: of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors, In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in.
1: I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message.
0: Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Radio, C-A-N-N-A, radio on Twitter.
2: there you go folks that is hang on sloopy by the mccoys and it is the official state rock song of the state of ohio so you know something's going on right when you've got an official state rock song (laughs) i think that's all right used to do that song a lot i was in a 50s 60s band uh when i was a young man like 19 20 years old playing with all these older cats and uh Yeah, we did Hang on Sloopy. We did, you know, Gloria, all those songs, man. Great to hear it. Hang on Sloopy. That is the McCoys. I'm Radical Russ here on Toker Talk Radio, hour two of the Russ Belvel show, which we're going to be cutting short. Uh, we're only going to do one more segment here. We'll finish it, uh, quarter till because Stoner Jesus is on next at eight o'clock Eastern time. And, uh, I got to drop out so he can drop in. You dig? We're not sure if that's actually true, but (laughs) with as many problems as I've been having with the tech setup, let's just do that for now. (laughs) We're going to make that happen. Um, So uh, interesting stuff coming uh, through uh, Cleveland.com. I'm just checking my Twitter feed, and I got a couple of news stories. And an interesting one is that first, the Ohio legislature and some of the Republicans in the Ohio legislature are talking about a medical marijuana uh law that they're going to pass just like I said you watch what will happen is they will start to try to undercut where there's big support let's get those patients out of the debate let's give them some medical marijuana and it'll be one of those restrictive let's copy you know New York or Delaware one of those East Coast states probably not home grow I bet there's no home grow in it and uh, maybe even one of them non-smokable marijuana deals right. So that might be coming out of the Ohio legislature. But further down in this story, they talk about Ohioans to end prohibition. That's OTEP, which has rebranded itself Legalize 2016. So that, now they're called Legalize 2016. Fine. So these guys um, admit came out today talking about they're filing their initiative for 2016. But they are going to have their lawyers look over what they filed because now that issue two passed with its whole, you know, ballot board deciding whether or not you're an exclusive benefit or exclusive tax rate or, you know, all those different provisions, that issue two may have now impacted their language for 2016. Now, of course, the irony is that during the campaign, those same folks were. We're saying vote yes on issue two. <laughs> so, yeah, the folks that uh, hated the Responsible Ohio thing because something would come in better with their amendment in 2016 now might have to scrap their current amendment and tweak it and rewrite it and start the signature gathering phase over. Because the issue passed. Yeah, so. uh <laughs> Back during the campaign, they were saying we support issue two. It doesn't affect us. And now looks like it might affect them. So this is, uh, you know, going to be difficult for everyone uh, to get past. And, um, you know, we'll be covering this as long as it's going on. But, uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, really the worst possible outcome we could have got as far as the vote goes. A resounding defeat for legalization and a tepid acceptance of restricting the initiative powers. <clears throat> and you should have seen how the ballot uh, languages uh, ballots were written up here too. Very, very confusing to anyone trying to vote uh, to pick what they're wanting to do. And you know, I've had people asking me, you know, how could the polls be so wrong, right? Because there's polls here that saying 46, 46 tie. There's some polls that were showing you know majority support. And that's because the polls were asking people if you support legalizing marijuana. The ballot asks, do you support creating a monopoly for blah, 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 blah. Right after a question that had already asked, hey, we want to ban those awful monopoly things. Do you agree? I mean, the dirty tricks played by John or by uh, uh, Houston, uh, the secretary of state and this legislature to purposefully confuse and frighten voters away from supporting legalization are an, an amazing precedent. And that's the thing, right? I hear some people talking about how uh, what a terrible precedent it was set if these people were able to buy their way into the Ohio Constitution and legalize marijuana. And I'm thinking, you know, having grown up in Idaho. Yeah, that would be an awful precedent. I sure would hate it if someone came to Idaho with a few million dollars and tried to legalize it. Gee, that would be awful. (laughs) I'm sure people in Texas and Georgia wish they had an initiative process that someone would come in and drop $20 million on to try to legalize for them. What a terrible precedent that would be. But not noticing the precedent that just got set for every initiative state that wants to retard the progress of legalizing medical or recreational marijuana. Here's what you do, guys. All you got to do is put up a competing initiative that invalidates that initiative, but bury that way deep and call it different words so nobody notices. And then while you're at it, you can also hamstring the ability for them to pull that off the next time. There's the precedent that got set. (laughs) The precedent that got set was for every red state or swing state that hates marijuana but has an initiative process to be able to stop it or severely restrict it. Didn't hear much about that precedent being set. But, you know, sometimes I'm the doom and gloom guy. Uh, I have to think from the perspective of our opponents to know how they're going to argue against uh, uh, what I'm having to say. And, um, you know, so I think from Kevin Sabet's point of view, and I think how Kevin Sabet now has, you know, the killer, you know, uh, response. It's like, yeah, you said it was about arrest. You said it was about helping patients, but really, really came down to it. The wrong people getting rich was enough for you to throw them under the bus. See, there's that bus again. <laughs> I told you that bus would be coming by. That's how, that's how some people here in Ohio feel. That's how some of these, these patients and, 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 This the personal level, man. I had to sit and talk a a woman down who was in tears this afternoon. One of these people who had been volunteering and going door to door and who poured her heart into this, and you know, having to talk to her about, you know, nobody said this would be easy. When you really think about it, this was just the first blow. This was the first strike in the battle in Ohio. Before this, there was no marijuana legalization battle. But now there is. And it's maybe a little tougher now because of the issue two thing. But it's going to happen. And now the key is figuring out how to get the most that you can get. As this legislature is going to try to undercut it, as they're going to try to medicalize it just enough decriminalize it just enough just enough so that you don't have pot shops and you don't have big commercial grows you don't have big marijuana companies and billboards and the marijuana is getting to the children that's what uh, that's what the battle in ohio is going to be about for the for a while but change is coming we got possibly six states Voting on marijuana legalization. We got Nevada already on the ballot. Interesting, though, Nevada's that's already on the ballot has one of those 25 mile halo rules. If you live within 25 miles of a pot shop, you can't grow your own. See, that's okay. That's not a bridge too far. That's we can support that. You, consumers not having home grow rights, pff, <laughs> nah, they don't make large donations. So, um, you got that situation, right? Uh, California, oh my God! CCHI is out now, uh, doing their petitioning for the Jack Harrow Initiative. There's uh, Sean Parker now, the, the Napster founder, is a Facebook guy, you know, investor. He's he's gonna he's gonna go legalize now, and you can bet right now that every consultant, every reform org liaison advising Sean Parker right now, is telling him to look at Ian James in Ohio. You better listen to us. You better listen to us. A.K.A. you better pay consulting fees because you don't want to be the billionaire who messes up California. And so many other groups. There's still other groups in California that are trying to get their thing together. I I really hope that 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 the Sean Parker money is kind of like the planet Jupiter. It's just by sheer mass alone. It's just going to aggregate all the rest of them into it. <laughs> right. That's my hope. Right. And and I say that with, you know, having friends in a lot of these other organizations, you know, Reform California, CCHI, MCLR that are wonderful activists. And uh, but man, California has to win. We can't have an Ohio happen in California. We can't have a loss happen in California. That's it, man. We've got to win that. And these others, like Arizona, I think Arizona just got tougher with Ohio losing because that inevitability is broken, right? And Arizona's a swing state, too, not much as far as how many electoral votes, but just, you know, close to being red or blue, right? And so now there's a blueprint there as far as being able to reject these marijuana legalization initiatives. So got to worry about that now. And uh, let's see, uh, Massachusetts, I'm not worried about Massachusetts. Massachusetts gets on the ballot, we got another legal state. <laughs> Massachusetts has passed decrim and medical above 60% in the past two presidential elections. Not worried about Massachusetts. Maine, Maine's a close one. I think Maine might have suffered and may suffer some of the same Ohio problem because Maine's already got pretty hefty decrim as well. Maine's got two and a half ounce decrim. And some plant level decrim as well. So I mean, and 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 decent enough medical marijuana program. So Maine might be a wobbler. And Michigan, being right next to Ohio, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with that. There's there's so much still up in the air. And and one thing I can guarantee for you, is that we'll be here on cannabisradio.com no matter where I'm at. If I got internet access, I've got this remote studio. We'll talk to you from the four corners of the continent and hopefully the world uh, as time goes on, bringing you the latest in marijuana law reform and the end of adult marijuana prohibition. Uh, I'm coming to you live from Columbus, Ohio, where I've been for the past couple of days for marijuana election night here. I'll be here tomorrow as well and then back in studio on Friday for a new edition of the Russ Bellville show. We'll be uh, on CannabisRadio.com. When I get back to the studio, we will be uh, simulcasting from Cannabis Radio and 420Radio.org for the rest of the year. Uh, I can't do it while I'm remote here. There's just too much involved. But when I'm back home, uh, we'll stream on both of those to give time for some transition to get the audience over to CannabisRadio.com. And again, I appreciate everybody out there who's been supportive of what I've been doing, uh, independently for the past three years, but I am so happy now to be a part of the cannabisradio.com family. You can hear great shows like, uh, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, uh, his, uh, burning issue show, uh, Vivian McPeak's Hemp Present, uh, Cal Cushman's got a grow show. Nurse Heather has a show on the network. Check them all out. There's plenty more, uh, State of Cannabis, uh, it, and, and, and so many more. I, I can't even remember all of them off, off the top of my head. It's pretty new to me as well. Cannabisradio.com for all of your cannabis radio enthusiasts, activists, and more. That's all the time I got for today, folks. Uh, I'm going to close it down early. Like I said, Stoner Jesus is coming up at the top of the hour. So uh, check out his program. And yeah. Um, and uh, you, you might want to walk, listen to it on headphones if you're someplace public, but uh, great stuff coming up from Stoner Jesus. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other Tokers.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show. The Russ Bellville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalruss.gov.'re going you are you take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke
0: it. You take a seat, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to earth.